Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is John Frady. I want to welcome you to uh, today's Saturday seminar. Uh, this is uh, our next to last seminar, but it's on financial health, uh, improving our financial health. And we're glad to have with us uh, Robin Hardy. Uh, Robin, welcome and thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much, John. I uh, am really have been looking forward to this particular seminar, uh, always interested in learning more about finances and how I can tighten up mine and help others people with theirs. Now, Robin, if I understand correctly, you, you can help me know for sure, but Robin, you're the vice president of retail banking at Crescent Bank? That's correct. That's okay. Correct. And uh, we're so, and as a, that's, we're glad for that position for you. And, but you're also the president, current president of each one, save one. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and and an administrative committee member at Celebration Church. Correct. Mm -hmm. And so with that and your husband and your dogs and, and family members, and you're, you stay pretty busy, seems like. Yes. <laughs> a, a good busy, good busy. <laughs> a good busy. That's good. Well, we're glad that you're here today um, to help us through here. And uh, I see the title is Financial Health and Being Good Stewards. So we're really looking forward uh, to this uh, seminar for you. So. I'm gonna turn it over to you this time. I'll turn my screen off and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you again with questions at the, uh, as, we, as we move along. All right, thank you, John. All right, well, welcome everybody um, to this seminar of Financial Health and Being Good Stewards. Again, my name is Robin Hardy and I've been um, in the financial industry as a banker for about 39 years. So a good um, portion of my uh, work life has been with helping people reach their financial goals. And so as you see on the first screen, we have a scale that's trying to balance your income and expenses. So that's basically what this um, presentation is gonna be about, is how can we handle the uh, income that we earn and um, be good stewards on how we expend it out and what we do with it along the way. And so on the first slide, what we have is to uh, reach out to everybody that's on this um, webinar and talk to you about your income. Income comes in all different kinds of ways. And uh, you can have earned income as a W-2 wage earner. You can have income coming in from dividends, from investments, uh, public uh, benefits or entitlements such as Social Security or SSI. You could be self-employed. You can be self-employed as an individual earning um, income based on your um, talents, or you could be self-employed and have employees. Um, you could also get rental income if you're a person that invests in rental property and you could, or you could own a business and have corporate profits. Um, income can also be regular, which means it's, you know, coming in on a biweekly basis or weekly basis. So you, you know where your income is week after week, month after month. It could be seasonal. Um, it could be, you know, uh, large portion, three months out of the year, and then another two months out of the year, it, it dips and then it goes back up again or it could be one time, it could be something that you sold and so you have income coming in from a one-time sale. And some income is so unpredictable. So for everyone that's on the webinar, you have to know how your income comes into your household so you know how to spend it. Then income comes into your household many different ways. Some ways people still get a paper check, some people get cash, some people get on a payroll card and some people get direct deposit to their checking account. So knowing all these different ways of how you get your income is also the different ways on how you spend your income. Okay, so the next thing is, is 
what do, um, what do people do? How do they spend their money? What do we do with it? And so you can see by all the images we have, um, you know, people buying clothes and paying rent. And you can see one guy's looking at a, you know, a future repair along the way. So this is like a, a list of the top 10 usual places where people spend their money. And not in any certain order for anybody on the uh, call, but typically it's shelter, food, utilities, clothing, healthcare, giving and donations. Of course, transportation could be any type of transportation. It could be, you know, you're borrowing for a car or you're paying uh, uh, the cost of catching a bus or a cab. Um, education could also be on the list. Um, it could be education for your children or it could be education for yourself, college education. Um, entertainment and travel. Entertainment covers just a broad spectrum. It could be just going to the movies, out to eat, um, uh, going to the park and spending money there. If you're, you're riding the bike or riding the boats at like City Park. Entertainment just is anything that you do outside that household. Um, travel, of course, is if you're traveling by plane or going far away, go to the beach, take a vacation. And of course, everybody has a need for insurance, whether it's car insurance, life insurance, and of course, health insurance. Um, and then there's in, in investing. And a lot of times investing is way down there um, because we're taking care of all these other things first. So we, we don't take the time to really invest and save, which is important because of life's experiences that come along the way as we learned with COVID. All right. So comparing income to expenses, this is something a lot of people don't do. And it's one of the things that Stephen had talked about in his message was trying to look at the things that you had in your, um, your checkbook or wherever you keep track of your expenses and your income is to take a look at it closely. I mean, really closely and see what you spend each month, not just, oh, I know my rent is this and I know my utilities are this, but everything from where you spend your money on coffee to how you spend it in a grocery store. And, and don't forget that you have to include the gas in your car or whatever that cost is for your travel because it's necessary for you to get back and forth to work, right? So gas in your car is important to remember to put in your expenses. And then anything you do like in and out, like if you stop to pick up something like food along the way, you're not cooking that day, how do you spend your money at fast food restaurants? Just about anything that you spend it on, add it up and then subtract that from your net income and that's your take-home pay. Or if you're self-employed, what is that net income per month after your expenses, right? So if you're renting a place, if you're self-employed, let's just say you're a, a hairstylist and you have to rent the place that you do your, um, your job at every day, you wanna make sure that net income is what you're using. And then if you're at zero, it means that you have no room for error. Something goes wrong, you don't have any money at the end of the month to cover things. Something as simple as gas prices gone up, like it is right now. All of a sudden gas prices go up instead of spending 30 to $40 maybe a week on gas, you might be spending 50 to 60. That slight increase per week could really set you behind. A positive would be that if you do the subtraction and now you've got a little bit left over. And remember, we've included in there already in one of the top tens that you're doing your tithing or your donations or your givings to others. So now you've got a positive amount in order to help you save, put some money aside. Negative would be that you don't have enough money at the end of the month and your bills and everything that you're doing 
is uh, putting you behind. And that eventually this catches up to you and it becomes like a, um, it just starts a rolling effect of what, what am I gonna pay first? And you don't wanna get in that position to where having to choose who you're paying this month because that could be very stressful in life and could cause um, some angst about how you're living your life and make you worry a lot. And we don't wanna do that, right? We wanna live an abundant, peaceful life. Um, influences. So before I go into influences, I just want to say one of the Bible verses that we went over in the message last week was Luke 16, 13. Um, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and, dis and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So right here is one of those things where um, we are influenced on how we spend our money. And if we're not seeking God first or praying over how we're spending our money, these things will take over. So if you think about it, no matter what you're doing, radio, advertisement, no matter what you're doing, advertisement, I'm sorry, TV, advertisements are coming straight at you. Even if you're looking at Hulu or um, what is it, Netflix, there's constantly advertisements enticing you to buy. And sometimes it's the things you really don't need. Maybe you already have a car, but it's enticing you to get the biggest and best car that's out there in the market or the latest iPhone. So it's enticing you to buy when maybe it's not a time for you to buy right now. It's not a necessity. Media, media, any sort of media, even if it's social, social media, social media, as you guys know, no matter what type of social media you're looking at, there's always those advertisements. And as you slow down on those advertisements, all of a sudden you have more of those types of advertisements trying to convince you to press that link in order to spend your money. And then they keep coming after you, right? Celebrities, celebrities get on all these types of um, advertisements to convince you to buy the things that they um, are using. And of course, peers and friends. Peers and friends will sometimes pressure you if they're doing things in life at the time and maybe they have the savings in order to do it, but you don't but they want you to come along. Let's go to the beach, let's go to the movies, let's do this. And it's just not the right time for you to do it. Peer pressure though can make you spend the money that you don't have. So these are different influences in our life. Um, okay, so responding to influences. So recognize the tactic, tactics used by advertisers. If you think about it, when advertisers are um, even down to the smallest of children, if you have children, you'll know that when they're watching cartoons or when they're watching their favorite program, even if it's educational, there's advertisements that come on to influence them to then talk to their parents about, let's go to McDonald's, or I want this type of cereal, or I wanna go here, or even to, you know, Disney World comes up when children are watching TV. So they even get to the smallest of us in order to convince us to spend money. So um, watch out for those tactics and be smart about it. Notice when and where you're tempted. Um, so sometimes when things are coming on TV or when you're out shopping for different things and spending your money, the, the, the image that you see there is an apple versus a donut. If you were to go to the store and buy breakfast items, you could buy a bag of apples for the same cost of probably a donut at some of these famous donut places. Um, and which one is more healthier? So which one is investing in your health and investing in your wallet and which one is not investing in your health and not investing in your wallet? So you gotta think smart, control your environment. So the image is kind of showing that if 
if you are in an environment where, like I said earlier, your friends are trying to convince you to, to take a vacation when you don't have the money or uh, enticing you to spend money where you really shouldn't or um, doing things that are against your, your faith, this is where you want to just kind of like jump out the bowl and go into a new bowl, get clear waters, get a clear mind, find a vision for where you want your future to be, um, and then build in a pause. So here's where you start to tell yourself, when I see these things happening, these tactics, these temptations, put a pause, put a break on and rethink your thoughts in order to get back on the right track. All right. So influences can be productive and unproductive. So helping you to achieve your goal, whatever it might be, if it's trying to get out of debt or you're trying to save for let's just say a, uh, you need a laptop or you need a computer or is this, or you wanna go back to school and get, um, you know, improve your education. What is that goal that you want? And think of those productive things that can help you get to your goals. So number one is Financial Peace University. There's probably some people on this webinar that have done it and maybe doing it again. And there's probably some people that will be signing up for the first time. Financial advisors can sometimes help a banker. If you've got a, a local trusted banker, they can help you figure out ways to uh, put you on the right path. Family sometimes know and life group members will know. Um, they're also there to support you. So if there is a goal that you have in mind, talk to your life group about it and they will help you to make sure you stick to your goals. And then there's others. At this point, I would like to find out if there's anybody else that knows of an, another productive um, measure that you can use to in order to reach your goals. So if you know of one, please go ahead and share in your comments or in your um, chat. And um, we'll kind of learn from each other at this point of some other productive ways to get to your, um, your goals and avoid influences that would be negative and avoid and, and gain those influences that are positive. Unproductive is getting in your way. So the things that are getting in your way are social media. And the reason why that is, is because of all those advertisements. It's so easy to click and spend money, especially when we now are in a mobile world of mobile banking and everything's on your phone, your credit card, your debit card, everything's there. It goes straight through your checking account where your pay comes in or it, it creates a debt for you. So social media, click on the link and boom, the money's gone. And as you know, in Financial Peace University, that means there's no emotion involved. You don't see the money going. It just happens to leave your account or it happens to become a future debt. Staying up with the Joneses is unproductive. Um, you know, if somebody, you know, you're, you, you have something that someone else has and you're seeing it and you want to catch up to them, you're trying to stay up with them and it's not your time yet. Maybe they're doing it in a productive way and for you to follow that lead might put you in an unproductive world to get to your ultimate goals. And of course, envy. Um, if there's any other reasons of, or our ideas that you have that would be unproductive, please share. Okay. Think smart and listen to yourself. Okay, this is one way to figure out. And I love this slide because it's really useful to you to put the emotion that Financial Peace University talks about behind the purchase. So this is an example of just say, it's a $2,000 item. This could be you know, furniture, it could be just about anything. And sometimes purchases are necessary, like we're gonna talk about, and sometimes purchases are not necessary. So let's just consider that this is an unnecessary purchase first, so we can understand the emotion behind it. 
and let's just say the average salary is $20 an hour. And how many hours is it gonna take of net income to get that purchase paid for? It's gonna take 100 hours, which on average at a 40 hour week is gonna be more, a little over two weeks of hours work to purchase that item. So this isn't just about putting it on credit or paying it off um, out of your, uh, your savings. It's about how many hours it's gonna take to buy that item. So before you do that, really think about how many hours and is it necessary before you make that purchase? So all you do is take the item divided by your hourly wage, and then that's how many hours you would have to work. All right, now we just need to look at ways to think about how you use your money, which is um, just making sure I'm keeping on time. Um, needs versus wants and debts and giving. So needs, these are the things you must have to live, right? In the very beginning, we looked at shelter, food, clothing. These are things that you need in order to live. Where we get confused is sometimes we think our needs are our wants or our wants are our needs. So we really have to sit down and when we look at how we spend our money, which ones do we need and which ones can we get rid of because they're just wants. They're not needed right now. They're our desires and we could live without them. Um, for instance, let's just say I, you know, I'm, know some people in my own family have Hulu and Netflix. Do you need both? Because that's $10 for this and $12 for that. Each month you can get rid of one or the other and that way you're starting to save $12 a month. Um, and for each thing that you get rid of that you don't need, it builds up on how much you're saving per month. Debts or obligations you owe. Um, these are loans that you make and, uh, and you, you can't get around it because you have to pay on it monthly until that debt is, for, um, is paid off or forgiven. Givings, of course, is your tithings, your donations, and where you help others that may need your help. All right, so in order to help get in a financial uh, stable situation, one of the things you can do if, if things are upside down right now and you're not, you're in that zone where it's, you're not able to save, you're at zero or your expenses are more than your income, one of the things to do is to try and uh, decrease some of those expenses. The first thing is to conserve. What can you do to get things cheaper or use, use less of? And uh, one of the Steve, uh, things that Stephen talked about in his message was the cereal um, example. Another one is coffee. Another one is what I just talked about, which is um, Netflix and Hulu. Where are you spending your money on those types of entertainment and those types of extras in your life that you can cut them out and $10 here, like I said, and $20 there, and a cup of coffee here and a cup of coffee there. Before you know it, you've got $50 in your pocket um, and you're, you're starting to save money just by decreasing your expenses. Adjust, what obligations or services can you renegotiate? For instance, a lot of people don't realize that if you just check around like your car insurance, you can sometimes find it cheaper someplace else right before it becomes for renewal. So if it's uh, you, you renew, if your insurance is coming up for renewal in June and it's April, start looking at prices then because you want to actually have a new policy in place before the other one expires. And a lot of times when you get on the phone and you just shop around, you will find something cheaper. Sometimes you will save as much as $600 a year or more. So please check around. And even if you've been with your insurance company two years, check again. You should always make sure you're renegotiating those types of services. 
Um, what can you do without? What, what are those things that you can eliminate that saves money? So by the time you conserve, try to do things that are cheaper, less of, and what can you eliminate completely? And then those things that you renegotiate, you're now just decreasing your expenses monthly. Increasing your income. So if we do the two together, this can really help you um, increase the amount of income you're having and the amount of savings you're able to save per month. So try ways to help increase your income um, to cover expenses, save and tithe. And if I can pause right now, just to talk about Proverbs 3, 9 through 10, it says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the uh, first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled overflowing and your vats will um, brim over the new vine. And so right here, what we're trying to do is not only decrease our expenses, but find ways to increase our income. And then of course, um, again, be good stewards of what you're getting ready to go through. Do your tithing, do your savings, and do good, and do good things with the increases that you're doing in your household income. So try ways to increase your income to cover expenses, save, and tithe. So one is to sell something. Is there something that you just don't need anymore and you can eliminate it? That was one of the things we just talked about it. So is it, is it you know, um, uh, an extra piece of furniture that you don't need anymore? Maybe you have two sofas and don't need it and you can sell it. Any sort of one-time sale that can just put money in your savings account or help pay off a debt in order to eliminate a monthly debt that you have. Occasionally have a garage sale. So that again is like a one-time thing where you can have one big garage sale and get rid of some of those things. Ongoing part-time job, maybe in the moment, it's a season in your life right now where you're like, I can't get caught up unless I have some additional income and I have the capacity to just put in a few more hours for right now and then get a part-time job and have a few extra dollars in my pocket. Um, again, remember part-time job, full-time job maybe, and now you're working more hours. So it's more emotional to know how much that item is per hour that you're spending of your time at work. Long-term is like workforce development. This is where you um, may be putting in some extra time to educate yourself. So that way you can get advancements at, the, at your workplace or, um, or um, in your career in order to earn more money per hour. Okay. So why do we save? It is important to save. I know it's hard to do sometimes, um, especially when you're at that zero mark or that negative mark, but all the things that we just talked about is ways to get you there. So once you're there, again, you wanna be good stewards with that new money that you have and you've, you've worked so hard to develop into extra money at the end of the month. So reasons why we save is for short-term goals. Maybe it's a skateboard or a new bike making it a very um, low cost kind of a purchase, but even those can be hard to save for when you have zero at the end of the month. So it's a new bike so that you can have some leisure time. So you're working hard, you wanna be able to ride a bike in the park. That small purchase, if you're just saving a few extra dollars per week, you can build up to buy that bike. Long-term goals such as a college or a new car, um, one is building wealth so that you can earn interest on your money um, and let it grow so that when you do get to your retirement age, you now have, um, you've built some wealth up to where your interest is now earning some extra money to, to support you in your um, later years. For times when income drops or expenses rise, one of the examples I gave was to talk about gas prices going up right now. Um, so like I said, 
a simple $20 or $30 a month increase on gas could really hurt somebody's pocket at the end of the month. And so you wanna be able to have um, savings aside or a right, uh, adjust your income to know that I can, now this doesn't break me, and that the extra $30 a month is not gonna hurt me because I'm ready for it. Maybe you wanna save for vacation. Vacation is one of those things that you definitely don't want to borrow for. This is a, a you know something that you want to relax for, and you don't want to have to borrow and, of course, pay interest on something you should be enjoying. Those are the types of things you definitely want to save for. And, of course, peace of mind. You want to know that there is savings set aside for all these things in life that you're preparing for, and it, you want it to be, you want your mind to be relaxed about it. You don't want it to be something that's stressing you out. Okay, we also say for big expenses like disasters. And if you're from here and you've been here since 2005, we all know disasters come at not at the opportunity, uh, not at the greatest of opportunities, right? We're typically not prepared for it. Although they always tell you to put money on the side for disasters, we're typically not prepared, especially the types of disasters we've had um, in the last several years. Um, Katrina was a hard hit and now we have COVID. COVID last year in 2020 really caught some people off guard and there were some people who had their money saved, their reserves on the side in order to be ready for a disaster, but it just wasn't enough. People were without jobs for weeks and months and months and months. So they just didn't have enough. They started dipping into their retirement and things like that. So it's really hard to say for big disasters like that, but do your very best so it doesn't catch you off guard. Everybody was impacted. When we talked about the different styles of incomes, even people that had rental property, if you saw in the news, there were people who could pay their rent, but those people weren't earning their rental income. So they were impacted by not getting income. Um, so you do want to try your best to save for the large expenses like a refrigerator breaks. Well, you've got to go out and buy one. That's one of those possible, you know, $1,000 to $2,000 purchases. So you got to be ready for that. You don't want to have to, um, you know, deplete everything out of your savings or start dipping into what you don't have and create a negative effect for you or borrowing at a rate that's so high, it's gonna take you forever to get it paid off. And now you've got that debt hanging out there for a long time. So you wanna do your best to just try and save and put a cushion aside. Then there's where do you put your savings? And there's many options, but when you're looking at your options, you've gotta look at the advantages and the disadvantages of where you're putting your money and who you are for where you're putting your money. People put money in different places based on their season in life. So if you're just starting to save, you may want to just put it in a simple place like a savings account. Um, whereas other people, if they've got a uh, wealth building up, they might put it into to stock markets and mutual funds. So, and the reason why I'm saying the differences between the two, and we'll compare some in a minute, is because some places where you save your money have fees associated with it. There are penalties if you take it out. Um, there could be earnings that you want to know where's the best, best place I can get the highest earnings. And then you need to know if it's liquid or not. What liquidity means is if something's liquid, means that it's in a savings account. And if ever you need it, you can take it out without penalty. It's not frozen. It's not committed for a period of time. It's liquid. It's flowing just like a checking account would flow or just like you had cash you know, at your house. You're able to get to it real quick. 
if you put it in stocks or if you put it in what they call certificate of deposits, which are also called time deposit, meaning you're putting it in for, there for five years, two years, typically when you do that, you earn more interest, but you've got to know that you can't touch it in case of an emergency. So you don't want to put your emergency funds in a time deposit or stocks because you've got to get to it quickly. As you build wealth, you'll be looking at those types of things. So places to park your savings would be like um, an envelope system like Financial Peace University teaches, where you just put, this is where I'm gonna put my rainy day money. This is where I'm putting my education fund. This is where I'm putting um, in case of an emergency and you know a hurricane's coming, I gotta take this cash and run, those types of things. You're putting your envelope system out there for the different things that you're saving for, your vacation, your entertainment, all the things where you spend money to keep your control over how you spend. Um, there's a savings account at the bank that kind of protects it. So in case, you know, when sometimes when you put your, your funds in the bank, you're protected in case of a fire or anything. If it's in your home and you keep in the large portion of your savings in your home, and if something happens, then of course your, your cash is gone. So there's all those types of things to consider. Certificates of deposits I mentioned, that is a time deposit like I talked about where it's committed for a period of time, one year, two years, three years, five years. US savings bonds is committed. Um, you gotta leave it there for a period, oops, sorry, for a period of time. And then of course there's things like stocks, corporate bonds and mutual funds that um, you know, depending on your risk assessment, you can really um, let your money grow fast. Um, retirement accounts, this is one thing that young adults don't pay attention to as they get on the job. Uh, their employers do have a 401k at their um, institution, and usually the employer will match the funds or in some sort of way, whether 50 cents on a dollar or uh, um, match it completely dollar for dollar. So for instance, some employers will do up to 3%, 4%, 5%, even up to 6% dollar for dollar. That means you have just doubled your money. So for every dollar you put in, they give you a dollar to invest in your retirement. So make sure you try to take advantage of that because there's no faster way to really double your money overnight than doing a 401k where your employer is investing back into your uh, retirement plan. All right. Um, so SMART goals. SMART, if you spell it out right here, we've got those little uh, words that are connected to the acronym in a sense. Uh, the first one is be specific. The next one is be measurable about, about your goal. Be action oriented. Um, make sure that they're reachable. You don't want a goal that you can't reach because that just disappoints you and you just stop trying. So you wanna make sure when you're doing your goals, make them reachable and time bound. Give yourself a time in the future where you wanna reach the goal. So this is an example of how you can either uh, arrange for your expenses to go down while you're trying to save. So. I will bring my lunch to work instead of buying restaurant food each day at a cost of 10 to $20 a day. So it typically doesn't matter where you go right now. If you go to um, Subway, just using Subway as an example, a middle zone, you know, you got Smoothie King, McDonald's, all these other places, and typically restaurants are even more expensive if you go sit down at a restaurant and eat. But typically it's about um, somewhere about $20, anywhere between 15 and 20. Each day, if you're doing that, or three times a week, whatever it is, um, and I do see people that go to lunch and they spend that much money practically almost every day in the workforce, that's a lot of money. Over two weeks, $20 a day, 
five days in a week of a work um, in a work life, that's $200 in two weeks. That's typically a grocery bill for a small family in some cases. But if you tried when you go to the grocery and you're doing your weekly grocery shopping, monthly grocery shopping, and you buy those things like a loaf of bread, some, you know, some um, meats and cheeses and things like that in order to build a sandwich or a salad, those things that you can bring to work, you know, $10 can go a long way to buy those things and it can spread over a few days. So by just doing that adjustment, you could save. And let's just say it costs $75 to buy those things over two weeks. You know, the breads, the meats, the salad uh, um, items, you have saved half of it maybe in, in those two weeks, but depending on what you buy and what your interests are. But $200 versus $100 over two weeks, you've just saved $100. So just think about those things when you're, um, when you're really trying hard to make changes in your life. There's all different kinds of ways that you can um, think smart, increase your income and decrease your expenses. So to ensure your goals are smart, you gotta ask yourself some questions. When you're being specific about um, ensuring your goals, why is this important to me? Why is this goal important to me? And don't forget why it's important to you. Uh, is this really something I want, right? Or is this really something I need? Sometimes your needs, that you're not is even greater than your want, of course, right? So you wanna make sure why am I doing this? How is it measurable? How much, how much do I need? And how will I know when I've met my goal? So how much do I need to put aside in order to get to that goal at the end? Action oriented, what specific actions do I need to complete in order to meet this goal? So some of the things that we just talked about, um, uh, action oriented would be uh, like we talked about uh, reducing your lunch expenses or eliminating maybe one of two um, types of entertainments, Netflix, Hulu. I mean, we live in a world now, everybody's reaching out to us. What is it? Disney Plus is reaching out to us. And now um, Discovery TV is reaching out to us. Um, each one of those types of um, ways to entertain ourselves watching TV um, is causing a, us to increase our expenses and it's $10 at a time. And before you don't, you know it, you're spending 70 or $80 a month just on watching TV. Um, so, you know, maybe it's time to turn those things off and invest in maybe a goal of buying a bike. And instead of watching TV, get out and ride a bike. And now you're healthier, right? Eating good breakfasts and riding a bike through the park will increase your, your health and also decrease your expenses. Um, is it reachable? Is this goal something I can actually reach? You don't, like I said, you don't want to set a goal and you can't get there. Time bound, will I reach this goal? Okay, so you want to know how far in the future, two months, three months, how long will it take for me to get an iPad that um, I really need in order to go to school or a, a laptop? If that laptop is $400 and I'm able to save $100 a month on just reducing my food expenses, it's going to take me four months to get there. And so that's a doable. And that's definitely exciting to know I can get there in four months. All right. Um, daily, weekly ideas to achieve my goals. So daily ideas would be to record your savings, givens, and spending. By recording, you're watching it. You're actually seeing it take place. A lot of people with debit cards and credit cards, they're just swiping away and then they don't know how far they've gone until the end of the month or even two months later because some, some don't even manage their money. They don't even watch it. They're just going and they're not even seeing the impact in their um, expenditure, uh, their, how they're spending their money. 
Um, collect your change. Some people just uh, leave their change to the side. You wouldn't believe how many people when they collect their change, how much they uh, turn that change into a couple of hundred dollars after a few months. Um, carry only cash that meets your budget. This is part of Financial Peace University. This is the part of the envelope system. Um, carry the cash with you when you go shopping. If you set that money aside in that envelope and you said, okay, I'm gonna go shopping today. I've, I've, got, I've reached that um, goal where I've saved enough money to where I can go get a few little extra things that I would like to have. Do that instead of carrying your debit card because now it's that emotional connection of the money leaving your hand and you're on a budget. So you spend no more than that. With any credit card or debit card, you're bound to spend more. Um, weekly ideas, of course, the envelope system, saving as you're getting your paychecks. Using coupons, you know, coupons used to be a big thing. And so, um, uh, so you know, finding those coupons where you can save money and reduce your expenses of when you're buying things is a great way to save money. Weekly money check-in. Again, look at how you're spending your money. Um, don't just go out there and, and do it. Just make sure that you're recording it somewhere so that you can see how you're um, moving about. And then follow your check-in account. Whether you have a checking account or not, you can still do some sort of register in your phone. There's all types of apps to help you follow your money. Um, let's see. And then you are more likely to achieve your goals if you write them down, post them, share them and stay focused. So if you write them down, um, put them on your refrigerator, put them in places where it's like you see it all the time because out of sight, out of mind, all of a sudden you forget about your goals and then you're not, you're not following through. Um, maybe write down your goals and let it be your, uh, your screenshot on, the front, on your phone. So every time you open your phone, it's the first thing you see. How many times are we on a, a lot of people are on their phones a lot, whether it's work or pleasure, you're sitting there and you're looking at your phone all the time. So if you went, when you first open your phone, that screen that you have when you first open it up, is maybe that's where you see it all the time so you don't lose sight of those financial goals you wanna meet. Um, and remember, what are you saving for? How much will it cost? And what is, is, is that deadline for that goal? All right, on 20, managing your expenses. So this is um, where I would, uh, Pull to verse Luke 16, 10, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you? Um, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? So in this situation, what I want to explain is that if you're not careful with your money and you're not watching it and following it and you're letting those outside influences, whether it's friends, family, advertisements, the tactics that they use in order to get you spend your money, you're going to end up here because you're not going to have enough money at the end of the month in order to pay everything you need to pay, which are your needs. Um, so you're going to have late fees. So now you're really not being good stewards of your money because now you're paying unnecessary things, not even the things you want or the things you need. It's just extra expenses on top of things, interest on unpaid balances. Um, when you use certain types of um, credit cards and things like that, you're borrowing money to pay for things. And a lot of times people borrow 
they'll use credit cards and stuff to pay for um, the things they want. Like they go shopping for shoes or they go shopping for purses or they go shopping for um, trying to think of other things, um, clothes. Maybe they don't need it right now. And what you don't realize is that you may have bought it on a sale trying to be good stewards with money. But now that you're paying interest, you're paying more from that item than you than you originally anticipated to pay. Um, losses of services, meaning you weren't able to pay the electric bill at the end of the month. Now there's additional charges to get it put back on um, associated with those services being cut off. And checking accounts, overdraft fees. And anytime you overdraft a checking account, let's just say you went out and shop for something that was um, drew overdrew you by $20. The bank, depending on the bank, can charge you anywhere from $30 to $45 an episode like that. That's a lot of money if you overdrew your account $20 or $25 or $30. Even if you overdrew $100 and they charge you $35 for that overdraft, that's a lot of money on top of that expense. And if you're not careful, it can just keep building and building and building to where you've spent a lot of money at the end of the month just on fees. So you wanna make sure you're managing your money well so you don't get caught up in these types of situations where you're spending money um, and it's not gone to any purpose that helps you in any sort of way. All right. So I wanted to touch base on this because, um, you know, in Financial Peace University, one of the things is they, they really uh, try to inspire you not to go down this route because credit cards can really spin out of control for most people. And I'm gonna show you why. So the reason why I wanted to share this is because I'm sure a lot of people on the call today are already in credit card debt or or considering getting a credit card. And so I want to show you how to use credit cards wisely or try to figure out ways to reduce that debt so that you can um, spend your money wisely and not spend it on credit card fees or interest. So what happens with credit cards is of course you know that they're a revolving line of credit. So you use it, you pay it off, you use it, you pay it off. It's a nice thing. It's a nice tool to just be able to use in the moment and not carry cash with you, right? But remember, it doesn't create that promotional connection to your cash. So you have to be very careful that how you use your credit card. Um, it's convenient way to buy goods. So it again, has no emotional impact. Buy now, pay later. That's the whole thing about what a credit card introduces to people. I don't have the money right now, but my credit card, I have room on it because remember, it's a line that I could use, whether it's 500, 1,000, 2,000, 5,000. You can buy it now and pay it later. So now you're building debt. You don't want to buy now and pay later. You want to know that I can pay this off this month so that you're not paying interest and fees on top of interest. Um, limit on how much you can borrow. Every credit card comes with a limit, 500, 1,000, 5,000, and some are even higher than that. Um, must pay at least a minimum amount. And this is where people get hooked up and, and um, retaining that debt for years and years and years and years. And I'm getting ready to show you how, and most people are shocked when they see this and they're not understanding this because they made that purchase, they're connected to the thing they wanted, but they don't realize how long it's gonna pick it up, pay, take to pay it off and how much money in addition to the value of the purchase they're paying just by paying the minimum balance. So paying only the minimum balance, this gives you an example. 
of a TV that costs $500. And the typical interest rate can range from 10%, 5% maybe, on up to above 20%, depending on where you live, what the state you is, there's guidelines for what's the maximum amount of interest rate on a credit card. And so I put the average in of 18%, because that is typically the average. Um, $500, if you paid the minimum balance, it's gonna take you three years to pay it off. Now, remember earlier I told you about, put the value behind your hours that you're working. How many hours does it take to purchase something? Now that $500 TV is taking you even longer because you're putting interest on top of it and you're gonna be spending three years to get it paid off. A, a repair, $1,000. If you put that on your credit card, it's gonna take you, sorry guys, I'm trying to see my screen, eight years to pay it off. And then 1,000 goes up to 1863 if you just pay the minimum. And then if it's a furniture purchase or that refrigerator as an example, it's gonna take you 23 years, 23 years guys to pay that off if you're just paying the minimum. And then that $2,500 purchase over those 23 years is gonna be $7,863 in, um, I mean, $5,363 in, in addition to your purchase. So here's if you're in that world right now, why it's so important to start doing that snowball effect and figuring out ways to put an additional amount of money on top of the um, a minimum payment. So if you took that $2,500 purchase that normally would take 23 years at 18% and you started doing an extra $24, you have just knocked yourself down to four years and you've reduced that interest payment all the way down to $1,025. If you can do $41, now you've got three years that you're paying on it and it's $754 added to the $2,500. So now you can see how this kind of helps you in that snowball effect, get rid of debt quickly in order to now have those funds in your wallet sooner than 23 years down the line of that minimum payment that's going out. Um, let's see, I don't, I'm trying to see if there's anything going on in the chat room. It looks like there's some chats going on. Yep, I'm just looking at some things. And I know um, John's gonna give me some questions in a little bit when he comes back on, but I'm gonna go ahead and just finish one more slide here. Oh, I'm ready for questions. There you go. <laughs> You're on mute, John. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Um, all right, so we do have some questions that uh, people ask and I wanna get to theirs first uh, here. The first question, um, says, uh, I have two boys age seven and 10. What is the best way to start teaching them and getting them interested in finances and learning how to be smart with their money? Okay, um, a good way to do this is to actually have them earn some money. First of all, they've got to do something, whether it's an, an, a, an A or a B or chore that they did, actually teach them how to earn money and what it, so they can understand the value of time, right? How much of my time it took me to get to that $5 um, earnings or $10 earnings, whatever you're going to give for that, um, the, the, the work involved in it. And then um, build, there's registers that you can probably go online and type in the word register and then print it if you want to, or give them an app on their phone. I mean, a lot of these kids these days at the age of 10 already have some sort of device or phone, build in an app for them and show them how to start out at $10 balance 
And then when they're spending their money, if they you know, purchase candy or whatever they're gonna purchase, subtract that from the $10 to show them how fast money can move out of their savings account. And if there is something they wanna save for, some sort of game or um, you know, uh, a, uh, an actual device that they're looking for, show them how your chores and how saving money, how long it takes to save that before they spend it. Um, and then as they get a little bit older, when they're 13, 14 and 15 years old, banks do um, have what they call teen checking accounts. And you can actually have your teen open up a checking account with you on it so you can monitor them. My daughter has one and they get a debit card. I mean, that's you know pretty, pretty much where um, we are these days. We don't have, a, you know, don't do a lot of check writing anymore to do a register. So it's a debit card. So having that debit card and watching them purchase things um, uh, and, you know, letting them go to the mall with you and watch them purchase it and then showing them on the bank account how it decreases their money is another way to teach your team before they go off to college the value of money and how it comes out of the checking account and how quickly it can deplete when they're spending money. Go ahead, John. Well, that's a great, that's a great answer. I know that you're, you're also, you help young people learn that in, in, in the world. And so I, I appreciate that answer. Um, mm -hmm. um, another question we have is what's the difference between a certificate of deposit and a mutual fund? Um, well, mutual funds are usually purchased uh, through an advisor, um, whereas a certificate of deposit is typically at a financial institution. So you can go to any bank and um, it is a fixed rate. Um, so let's just say right now, banks want to um, pull money into the bank. They have a reason to lend out money. So they need to pull in some capital and they need to uh, advertise a rate five years at 1%. That is a fixed rate. It's not going anywhere, but you're gonna leave your money there for that fixed amount of time. On a mutual fund, a mutual fund can vary in rate rates and is typically with a financial advisor and is um, maybe liquid or not, but not so easily accessible. Um, so, and a CD is also fixed, so it's not so easily accessible. Um, but usually you go to a financial advisor to invest into some mutual funds. Okay, that's a good, that's a good, um, good answer uh, with that. So one other question, I mean, we spoke and we were listening, I was listening to you throughout and uh, I noticed off and on, whether I'm in a bank or whether I'm reading some financial information, uh, people talk about reserves. Yes. And so what, when they were, when they were making those, res, when they're making those, that term, when they're using that term, what are they, what are they talking about? And why, why is that important? Reserves is, is, is simply putting money on the side. You're reserving money for something in the future. And typically banks will look for you. Let's just say you are becoming a first time home buyer and you're getting ready to buy your first home. Banks will look to see that you have uh, two to three months reserves of that amount of payment. So let's just say your house note's gonna be um, you know, $900 a month. They're looking to see that you have that much already in reserves of $2,700. So in case you did lose your job or something expenses go up or anything happens that you have those, those reserves in order to pay your house note. But take it a step further and think about yourself. What are your expenses and how can I save to have three months reserves in case what happened with COVID like we talked about, it could last more than three months without a job. Um, so that's really what reserves are, is putting money on the side that you're not using part of your monthly expenses 
so you can have it as a cushion. Okay, and one one last question um, is, you know, every off every so often, whenever people go to buy a car or they go to buy a home or buy anything, and you're asking, you know, they're talking to you about, you know, your expenses and you're listing them and you're going through, they're seeing. And I've noticed, for me personally, I've talked to other people who've noticed the same thing. If I ever mention that I tithe, you know, because that's a 10% of my money that, mm -hmm. that I have, at least 10%, you know, and then giving on top of that. But I've noticed that the loaners or the people who are writing it down, they never take that into consideration. Like they'll mm -hmm. never write that down and they'll never do that. Why, why is it, what, what can I do or what can other people do as they are purchasing, making these purchases for a car or a home or whatever to help the people understand, hey, this is really, this is a real expense. This is something I really do more faithfully than I do, do all these other things. And yes. so how, how can you, what advice can you give me on that? I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, well, I wish I had a slide for that. That would be a good slide. But usually when you're going out to buy a car or if you're, um, trying to buy a home, the lender is looking to see that your total obligations between car payments or any other obligations, they're not looking at services like electricity, gas in your car, or your tuition for your child at school. They're not looking at any of that. So they're definitely not looking at tithing, okay? okay. We know it as an obligation, they do not. And I've been a lender before where I've seen people put that on their residential application to buy a home. They put that obligation. And I've had to take it off and they're like, nope, that is an obligation. And truly it is. But in the lending world, it is not. They're looking for where you borrowed money. Um, so what happens is the lender is looking to make sure that your debts, your monthly obligations of debt don't exceed about 40% of your pay. So if, I, if you were to make 2000 a month, they're trying to make sure that all your debt doesn't ex ex exceed $800 a month. So if you were to do the um, multiplication of that. So, but you know that 10% of it is obligations to the church, right? And so um, you would have to consider that for yourself. The mm -hmm. lender may tell you how much you can borrow and how much you can afford to pay, but you have to come back and subtract that, like we said earlier, from the things you, you um, pay out of your income each month, what do I have left over? And now you're gonna include that 10% in and go, wait, this payment's a little bit too high for me. Let's back it up. You have to be the one to back it up when you're with the lender. You have to know. And there are some lenders that are more, um, that could be uh, push you a little bit further. They can say, oh, in order to get this car, we're gonna take you to 50% or 60% of your gross income. That's very dangerous, guys. That's why you have to really look at your debt and your um, obligations and everything, because 60% of gross is 60%. Just think about that. If, um, if you were making $2,000 a month, that's $1,200 of gross, but yet your income per month is not really 2,000, it might be 1,800. Mm -hmm. So now you've got $400 left to do tithing, buy groceries, pay gas in your car. And then before you know it, you, you might have this car that you wanted, but now you don't have enough money to pay for your obligations and the wants and needs that you have out there and your tithing. So, yeah, so it's really, it's really up to us to be smart with that when we go in and be like, hey, this is really, even though they may say I can't afford this, 
I may not actually be able to afford this, or I may not actually be able to. Mm -hmm. Well, Robin, thank you so much uh, for your time uh, with this uh, seminar. Uh, are there any are there any final words you'd like to say before we sign off today? Um, yeah, I'll just say don't get discouraged. You know, any new um, habits that we try to form, sometimes they get off base. We go two steps forward and come one step back. Just stay on course. Remember to write down your goals, keep them in front of you, and uh, work with those um, positive, productive people in your life that'll keep you on track. Okay, well, let me thank you so much. And let me pray for us today before we before we end up. Lord, thank you so much for this seminar. Thank you for Robin and her expertise and, and how much I've learned and others have even commented on the chat uh, services that they've learned uh, today. Uh, and Lord, I pray that you would help us is to be good stewards of what you've given us. Thank you for Robin. I pray you bless her for her time and for, and for her willingness to serve today. Uh, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So thank you so much, Robin. Um, we, we appreciate your time and God bless you. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.